with that intro music, I welcome you to the I Am Vinyl podcast. My name is Pete, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in here at cnjradio.com or if you're listening via Apple Podcasts. And so today's episode is going to be the first of what I personally hope will be 10 roundtable discussions based on my all-time favorite band, KISS. Now these roundtables will be spread out over a course of time. I'm not going to record 10 shows in a row. And I also plan on having some roundtable discussions on other bands in between. But for now, this is going to be the first episode of the KISS-centric roundtable discussions. And with that, today's episode is going to be focused on the first three studio records, the self-titled debut, Hotter Than Hell, and Dressed to Kill. And we're also going to talk about Alive. And so this is really a culmination of my many years of fandom as I had mentioned in the first episode of I Am Vinyl, that the earliest childhood hand-me-down vinyl collection that I had received from my older brother and my cousins consisted of the Kiss records from 74 to 79, with exception to a couple. For some reason, I didn't have Half of a Life 2. I only had Sides 3 and 4. I didn't have Ace Frehley's solo album and didn't even hear it until the late 80s. So this is really a culmination of all my many years of fandom and also, I do have to acknowledge the KISS-centric podcasts that have been around for over 10 years plus. And specifically, I have to acknowledge Ken Mills and the podcast. As over 10 years ago, I had discovered the podcast thanks to an article that was on Blabbermouth about their episode about The Elder. And a few years back, I had been considering launching a podcast and recorded uh, a few pilot attempts. And I sought out advice from Ken at that time. And I decided not to launch the podcast and just kind of sat around on it for a while. And so with that, I'd like to thank Ken again for that advice at the time and just for allowing guys like me to have this platform now to present you with a roundtable discussion with a few of my friends. And so with that, let's get to segment one and I'll let them introduce themselves here on the I Am Vinyl podcast and my first roundtable discussion about KISS. Welcome to the first I Am Vinyl podcast roundtable. And today we're going to be discussing the first three albums and Alive from KISS. So today I have three guests here with me. And we'll start to my left here and we'll get some introductions. here to my left hello everyone i'm joe malazzo uh brooklyn born and raised uh lifelong rocker metalhead whatever you want to call it uh kiss is uh, i've been a kiss fan since i can remember really since i'm like four or five years old basically seeing them on tv the toy commercials it initially was not the music it was the image but luckily, my musical preferences lined up eventually, <laughs> so it all worked out in the end. So I'm uh, happy to talk about Kiss. All right. Cool. Next. All right. My name is Ron Valdez. Uh, 
I work in the music industry loosely. I design uh, graphic. Uh, des- I do graphic design for a print company that prints record jackets. So we do like. I'm looking at all your record jackets here, and I see like a handful that I've done just right in that one shelf right there. Um, I'm a huge Kiss fan. My first musical love was Kiss. I saw Kiss uh, in concert when I was eight years old, twice, and once when I was ten. And I mean, it was just you know. When you're a kid and you see these superheroes playing the best rock and roll music that you know of at that time, it is kind of a special moment. So Kiss has always been a big part of my life, and uh, I'm just glad to be here to be talking about one of my favorite bands. Awesome. And last, What's up, everybody? I am Michael Scandato, another Brooklyn native. I am lead vocalist of Inhuman and The Last Stand. Uh, I am a Kiss fan. I am not as big a KISS fan as the three other gentlemen in this room. <laughs> I am a KISS fan. I got into them as a young kid in in the 70s. One of my older brothers, not sure which one, owns Dress to Kill. And I listened to it constantly. And that was my first exposure to their music at probably around eight or so. Because um, I, I remember, the, oh, I'm like, this record's a little old. Like, you know, it was a, a, little, a little worn around the edges. Um, and I remember the movie. I remember everything about their explosion as a kid because they were inescapable when I was a kid. So, yeah, I even enjoy the 80s stuff. I enjoy some of the 90s stuff. I have just not based my life around them, and I've never seen them live. Oh. But people would be surprised to know how much I do know about them. So, yes, I am a fan, but I don't know if I'm a fanatic. Fair enough. So let's let's go around the room real quick. Uh, you guys mentioned either when you first saw them live and how you got into them. So what would what would you say is your your current favorite Kiss album at the moment? That is such a tough question. I mean, it's always got to go to a live, right? I mean, live is just unbelievable. It's like all it's all the songs you want to hear in the way you want to hear them. Raw, you know, kick ass. I mean. I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to make your choices, but I, I'm going to say Alive because that's just the record that I was... You see, I'm weird in that I didn't hear Alive for a while, and um, it was it was really like kind of Dress to Kill and the debut, and then like the deep dive of Revenge for me. Uh, I knew all the singles from the 80s stuff, you know, Heaven's on Fire, Tears of Falling, just from the video era age, you know? Right. I liked all those songs, uh, Lick It Up, etc. But Revenge comes out, and I'm steeped in like death metal and hardcore, and grunge and all that, and it just immediately grabbed me. It's it's probably, I think, one of the best things I've ever done. So I agree. That's always like, always like kind of like on deck in my head mentally for Kiss. Uh, so I would say it's like this weird mashup of Dress to Kill, the self-titled, and Revenge. Those are my three favorite, hundred percent. Okay. Yep. I, I always go back to Rock and Roll Over for some reason. Um, yeah. Absolutely. It, I don't know if like pound for pound it has the best songs, but there's just some. There's like a good mixture on that album. There's a probably one of my favorite uh, songs. Um, oh man, now I'm blanking on it. The Peter, Peter Chris sings it. Uh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver. 
Mainline. Hardlock woman. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's a great song. Like, 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 I, I baby deep. driver first. <laughs> it's also a very good movie. It's not, it's it's not a bad movie. Not I a bad enjoyed movie. that film. I do like Baby Driver. Baby Driver is a good tune. Uh, I don't know if it's the album cover. I lo- I think that's the best album cover. It is a cool cover. But I-, I will say as of late, like Rock and Roll Over is probably probably always my favorite. But as of late, I'm coming back more to Dress to Kill. Uh, just because I think production-wise, that one, is just, there's just a crispness to it. Mm. And they yeah. sound really... Um, there's something breezy about their playing on that record. Right. It doesn't sound like the first two. The like it's kind of sluggish, mm-hmm. and then later on, I don't know. I think the the production on Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun are, are good, but some some of the drum sounds sound weird to me. The uh, some of the snare sounds a little bucketish at points to me. That kind of stuff bothers me. Mm. Uh, just to Kill, I just feel uh, just has a really I don't know crisp production, and they they sound great. Peter Chris sounds amazing on that record. Yes. And, yeah. Um, Paul Stanley is on fire on that record as far as his lyrics. Um, it's just a good, solid, like hard '70s rock and roll record, mm-hmm. and it's hard. It's hard to find anything at, at fault in, on that record, really. Even though I think there there might be some better songs on Rock and Roll Over. I think overall, uh, Just to Kill is like from beginning to to front. To back a more listenable record, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, well, in my case, um, my favorite Kiss album of all time at this moment right now is Alive. Mm, sure. But if we were talking studio records, then I'm I'm gonna go with Rock and Roll Over. Yeah, me too. Studio record mm-hmm. has got is Rock and Roll Over is like it sounds like a, it sounds like a band that kind of made it, you know, because they did make it at that point. Yeah. But that they wanted to keep that rock and roll. You know what I mean? Like Destroyer, they did their experimental thing and it was very cool and it got them to that plateau. But that rock and roll over sounds like they just had a bunch of these great rock and roll songs that they just didn't put anywhere or couldn't fit anywhere. So they made this incredible like rock and roll album. Mm-hmm. Just straight up rock and roll. And that's that's what makes it so good. Yeah. It, it is free of experimentation, I right. would say. Right, right. And like a song like Hollywood Woman you brought up I mean, that could be a hit for anybody. I mean, it's just right. like, it's a yeah. song. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And it's, uh, that's one of the other cool things about Kiss, uh, for me, um, is that I think, man, are they underrated as songwriters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always think, to a degree, they're underrated as performers, but some of the actual songwriting and the catchiness and the stay-in-your-head-foreverness of them, I think, can get overlooked from the the musical snobs that don't like them, you know. So and su- point. supposedly uh, they always say uh, uh, that song was written for uh, Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of sounds like Maggie May. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. And, and Garth Brooks put out the cover on the. That was great. Yeah. That was so great. Which yeah. sounded so natural yeah. in that environment. The song cover. sounded very natural. It's good. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I guess we could start going through the first three records. Let's uh, start with the studio records. All right. And um, so, we will start with, obviously, the self-titled album. Released on February 18th, 1974. It was recorded at Bell Sound Studios in New York City between October and November of 1973. And it's been said that it only took 13 days to complete the album. Mm. The album was produced by Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise. 
Uh, and for those who are unaware, Richie Wise was in the band called Dust with Mark Bell, also known as Marky Ramone. Mm-hmm. And if anyone hasn't heard those first two Dust records, it's good stuff. I, yeah, I would highly recommend seeking those out. Those are <laughs> those are they're pretty groundbreaking albums to me. Um, I think they were definitely doing, you know, stuff that no bands were really doing at that time, even before Rush. So, and the singles that were released were Nothing to Lose, which was released on February 18, 1974, which did not chart. Kiss in Time, which was released on May 10, 1974, and actually hit number 83 on Billboard's U.S. Pop Singles chart. And then they released Strutter on August 10, 1974, which did not chart. Mm. The album, to this point, is certified gold. There's no official updated total sales to be uh, to be known of at this time, but I think we could all assume it's probably sold past platinum at, by this point. And the album peaked at number 87 on the Billboard album chart. And so, some other facts about the first Kiss record. It was the only Kiss album to be manufactured and distributed under the initial agreement between Casablanca Records and Warner Brothers. It was also repressed in July 1974 with Kiss in Time, which had been previously released as a standalone single. Mm. And it was added to the beginning of Side B before the original Side B opener being Deuce, and which was against the band's wishes after Neil Bogart had promised it would only be a promotional single to help boost sales of the album and in conjunction with the infamous kissing contest as promoted on the Mike Douglas show in which Gene Simmons awkwardly appeared as a guest after it had been initially released as a standalone single on May 10, 1974. And some of you in this room are probably aware, in the mid-80s this album was re-released by Polygram Mercury Records on vinyl and cassette which had a live version of Nothing to Lose from Alive instead of the original studio version. And it's been noted that this was likely due to Bruce Foster having played piano on the track and certain legalities that had to be revisited before it was reissued over 10 years later. So I that, have a question. Yeah. When it first, first came out on vinyl, it didn't have Kiss and Time on it? The first press? No. It did not? No. Oh, how rare is that record? Very rare? Pretty rare. Pretty rare? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you... If you if you're looking for any copies at this point, <laughs> you're you're definitely going to be wow. paying upwards to a hundred or more depending on the condition. Um, I'm one of those people that doesn't mind that song. By the way, I like Me too. it. It's I a like fun it song. Some people hate it, from what I understand, but I yeah. actually think it's kind of cool. I I can give or take the it. Chorus, the verses are kind of cool. They have like a cool little hop mm-hmm. kind of thing to it, but the choruses are pretty damn cheap. I, but I, lo- I don't know what it is. It's 70s. But, it's yeah, just, but it's to kiss. me, it kind of reeks of 70s, like rock. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? A. I don't M. know what it is. AM rock. There's something about it. It yeah. just, just, I don't mind it. I don't it reminds know. It's you of like a Partridge Family song. Right. <laughs> yeah. I guess depending on your, your age, that could be a that might be what they were going for, I think. Probably. <laughs> Sell some records. I mean, right? this record came out, I was, I was one. So, I mean, but I, I remember the 70s, obviously, but it's just something about that song. It's just, yep, 70s. It's the 70s. It's, couldn't mistake that for anything else. And who, who, was, who was the original writer and who, who originally recorded Kiss in Time? I don't know. Let's find out. Oh, actually, I checked that out, and it's two guys who were no longer with us that... Um, one of them wrote Teddy Bear by Elvis Presley. So these guys, wow. these guys were, 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 yeah, these were major dudes who wrote that song. Hold on a second. Uh, Cal Mann and Bernie Lowe. 
Who uh, originally recorded the song? Who, who originally made it a hit? Because it was a hit for somebody, mm. just not for Kiss. Well, these guys wrote songs for Elvis and Pat Boone and Bobby Rydell. Bobby Rydell. Bobby Rydell, That's, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I guess to, to sell records. I can picture the guys in the right. office back then. With the cigars. Wanting this, yeah, with a cigar in their mouth. Telling poor Kiss, you know, what to <laughs> it's gonna do. sell, Shane. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So well, that's if, if we're talking exactly Neil Bogart, what yeah, happened. right. Yeah, if we're that's talking Neil Bogart. Bogart. He was probably smoking a joint. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. That's probably exactly what happened. Well, snorting on. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. You gotta record this song. <laughs> I yeah. Hanging out with time. Kiss to get younger girls. There you go. <clears throat> I think had had the song done well as a single. Yeah. Okay. Then add it to the record. But I think they rushed it to add it to the record for a second pressing I just personally don't think it, it really fits on the album yeah, overall can, I mean it, yeah this I mean but yeah right the, the album it does tend to go a little heavier than that but I mean right. it, it's still a it's odd it's still me. a good time tune you no, know it's, and it's it, kind of fun it is a good yeah, time like I said I can exactly. give, I can give, I can give or take tune. it yeah like, you know I'm glad I have you know both pressings with, with and without it so <laughs> at least I have, I have the option to uh, flip nice. flop <laughs> um, so I just want to mention before we we get to further discussion that the original version of Nothing to Lose was restored once the album was reissued on well once the album was issued for the first time on CD I think that was like 88 or 89 and of course on the 2014 vinyl 180 gram repressing it includes the original version of Nothing to Lose hmm. and at one point I actually did have the, the mid 80s pressing with that live version of Nothing to Lose and I vividly remember my brother got the cassette. He got the cassette before I had got that vinyl, the, uh, the mid-'80s vinyl reissue, and we were listening to it, and all of a sudden you hear like the, 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 yeah, the live crowd, crowd fade yeah. in, and, and I remember him going, what the fuck? Like, what yeah. the hell is this? <laughs> exactly. it, that's cool. <laughs> that's kind of wild, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is this, is this like taped effective? <laughs> it's a better version, well, yeah. <laughs> but well, it's not studio. I mean, it's a, yeah, it I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's probably a stronger version yeah. production-wise. Sure. But I, I do like that original version. Yeah, no, yeah, you gotta have it. Yeah, that, you don't expect that, it's jarring. Swing. Mm. So, all right. So now that we. So, what's your favorite song? Favorite track. Yours, yeah. Let's start with you, Pete. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna look at it real quick. But uh, you know, these days, more, mo- most of the time, I go to Black Diamond. But I mean, it could be it could be a hundred thousand years. It could be Deuce, but. You know, I will say at this point, it's it's a hundred thousand years. Hmm. All right. I've I've always I've always gravitated to that one, um, especially on a live one. Right. I always like that really long version with the drum solo. But uh, yeah, right now I would say a hundred thousand years. Okay. I was I was kind of flip flopping between those two as well. I think they're. <clears throat> I mean, there's great songs on here, no doubt. Good, like streetwise, just tough rock and roll. But those last two songs, they have a little bit of a, I would say a slightly progressive edge a little bit. You know, they, there's like multiple parts to them. Like they kind of, there's breakdowns, mm-hmm. slower parts, quieter parts, right. and they get heavy. Um, I think Black Dime is, prob- is probably my ultimate favorite, though. I just think, I love Peter Chris's vocals on it. Yeah. He sounds great. Um, <clears throat> the ooh part in the chorus with Gene and... Uh, and Paul, I mean, they. Mm. To me, they're underrated singers as well. I mean, mm-hmm. their vocal when they sing together, 
when they do their harmonies, they they could be kind of second tier Lennon McCartney in, in a sense, like really really um, good singers, and then their voices mesh really well together. <clears throat> and the one and uh, on the back half of of uh, Black Diamond, that slower part. Oh yeah. At the end. Yeah. I mean, build. It kind of to me it almost reminds me of uh, "She's So Heavy" by the Beatles. Oh. You know, has that same uh, mm-hmm. lilting. It's almost like. Right. You know, doomy, mm-hmm. if I can, you know, mm-hmm. it has yeah, that no, same yeah, kind of just like totally. ascending, you know, minor key kind of. It, it's really cool. It's really like heavy. And it's second song almost at the end of the song. Yeah, it's kind of. Like, yeah, I've always thought of it as like it's like an extra song. I've it's very dramatic. Uh, Ace Frehley's a lead over that. It's like it's mm-hmm. he's he's like putting his heart. And, like they're all just like kicking ass on that song, and and they're and they're all being they're all displaying all their full talents on it. You know, so that song kind of has a little bit of everything that that I really appreciate. Okay, nice. that was Joe's favorite, Ron. Hey, you know, you're looking at the track list here. You got Strutter, right? You got Deuce. Strutter and Deuce. I if you go to a Kiss concert. And you hear Strutter and Deuce, you leave feeling satisfied. You know, and that's the way... It's like a song... It's like the songs they should play. Uh, But I think I'm going to... Hmm. Cold Gin is another one. Firehouse, very underrated. Yeah. Very underrated. Firehouse Firehouse is a great song. Uh, 100,000 Years, excellent. Your choice was so good. I'm going to go with Love Theme from Kiss. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go with Love Theme from Kiss. I'm going (laughs) to... Hey, it's a jammy, it's a jammy seventies jam. But I'm not. I'm. That's not. I would say. I would also go with Black Diamond at the moment. Okay. You know, the, this is the kind of record where it has so many good songs mm. that tomorrow I can yeah. wake up and be like, you know what, Cold Gin's my favorite Kiss song it's today, really or Deuce is my favorite Kiss song. Nothing to lose is my favorite Kiss song. It, Black Diamond has had like so many good like live uh, moments in Kiss concerts and things like that. It's just an overall great. I'm I'm gonna dare and say metal. You know what I mean? It's a oh, metal. Yeah, it's yeah. a metal song. I think 80s Kiss, the way they did it Kiss, the to, end. right? Yeah, totally. Kiss is like always known as like, oh, are they metal? Are they hard rock? Are they rock? You know, I would consider them more of a hard rock band. I wouldn't consider sure, them more yeah, of a metal band. Rock. Right, hard rock. I but mean, they've had metal moments. They, oh, totally, yeah, totally have had in, metal in moments. Decade. But overall, I'm gonna say they're. I'm gonna look hard at rock. you know. You're wearing a Venom shirt. Venom is a freaking. They're yeah. metal, dude. <laughs> yeah. Kiss to me is just a really hard rock and great band, and Black Diamond pushes them right over that tip. You mm-hmm. know, it brings them to that hard rock edge and just just pushes them right over it. And uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard the replacements version of oh, Black Diamond, which is unbelievable. It's in there. And there's a live <laughs> one too. Do you you have a live album too? They do it. They do it live on uh, Live at Maxwell's. Yeah, on, oh, yeah, on the Live at Maxwell's record, and it's just ripping, oh, ripping live. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna go today. Today, today August twenty seventh, twenty nineteen, is Black Diamond. All right, Mike. <laughs> Mine was Black Diamond. I immediately put Black Diamond. That's, wow. that's my favorite. Look at that. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. Um, a second. You know, like a second was uh, struck for this album for me, like the second best. First, my, fa- my favorite on this album is Black Diamond. Yeah, 100%. Strutter is that first time you heard Paul Stanley, you know, like if you heard Kiss from the beginning. I was, I started it alive because I was what seven, right? But you know, when you go back and you know that that first song you hear Paul Stanley singing is Strutter, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, man, this is the this Paul Stanley is the Strutter. You know, mm-hmm. like that's him. Mm-hmm. Even though the production on this album is not where it should be, 
You know, I don't think. If, if, if someone it's ever... It's raunchy, but I, it's it, kind of fitting. I think it's, I mean... It's, for the time, it was, it was. it's good for what it was yeah, at 73. Yeah. But I think if someone was actually able to get their hands on, like, all the masters and, like, kind of turn up the distortion and, like, make it really heavy, mm. this would be a... I mean, that would be an outstanding project for someone, you know? Because it's, <laughs> it's a little thin. Right. But it's, it's, it's raunchy, though. It's got, like... Right. I mean, in a way... The first two suffer from the same fate, in a way, recording-wise. Uh, we're going to get to that, yeah, I know. But I just feel like Dress to Kill is where it's like, okay, right. we've got a better sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's always... We figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also sound, to me, almost, uh, in certain aspects, a little timid to me. It's almost yeah. like when right. the red light went on, they were like, uh, how fast do we play? Like, how mm-hmm. hard do we play? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like Cold Gen, it sounds really, really laid back. Mm-hmm. Like... And, you know, if depending on how you hear it, you know, it could sound, all right, this is ver- very chill, laid-back rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But then when they play, you know, the Alive version, the ride, it's like suddenly exactly. it's like almost twice the speed. And it's like, yeah. forget it in 84, <laughs> live on Uncensored. Right. It's like the recording <laughs> is... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. The live version is... It's cold. Right, exactly. Right, right. Quiet, you know? I agree. It's it's when they were like, yeah, you know, they look like alive. It's like, yeah. all, it's, they bought all it. of our early records are now going to sound like this, everybody. And this is the new versions of all our right. early records. And I think that's the whole idea. That was the whole idea behind Alive. The right. fact that they wanted to bring the Kisses Live aspect into the living room or wherever it is that you listen to your records, you know? And mm. I think they did that well. But we'll talk about Alive later. Yes. Okay, well, so I had thought whichever song gets the most votes as favorite track, that's going to be the song we're going to play on the show cool. for each record. So let's play Black Diamond from the first Kiss record. Out on the street for a living, pictures only begun. Got to under
right, that was Black Diamond from the self-titled First Kiss record from 1974. <clears throat> so, now we've talked about our favorite tracks. Let's talk about the least favorite track, which I know on this record might be particularly hard, because as we've said, it's mm. pretty much a perfect record. <laughs> I think so. we kind of discussed what, what might be the least favorite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there's, there's two going neck every, for neck. Yeah, Depends yeah, on which pressing we're talking it's about. Probably, well, yeah, that's true, but you know, even so, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say "Kissing Time" is my least favorite track. If we're gonna start with me, yeah. I would honestly say it. It would be the love theme from "Kiss." Right. And, and right. Let me yes. let me let me say why. Same for me. Because I feel like it shouldn't have been shortened to a two and a half minute instrumental. Because if anyone in the, everyone in this room has heard the full version, which was called Acrobat originally. Yeah, right. On, on the, the Wicked Luster, right? And right. There's, yeah. there's, there's like a crazy heavy part that breaks Sounds like Jurok right? City. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like where, where they got the inspiration for the Jurok City later on. It's on the 2001 box set that I have up there. Hmm. Yeah. So that that's why I would say that's my least favorite track because it was, they should have just... They might have recorded the whole entire thing for all we know yeah, and right. it was faded out <laughs> on the record. But all that agree, say aye. Yeah, kissing time would obviously probably maybe be a second, Oops. but it's not a. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, love theme from Kiss isn't even technically a song. It's an it's <clears> right, like, it so should have been an intro to a song. Right, right. it's right. not a terrible song. It's not bad though. It's not yeah, bad. it's not bad. It's just it's, the least good. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's, well, like we were saying, the record is full of gold, and you know, right. it's the record is gold. You know, mm -hmm. even the even the rustiest gold is still pretty good. Yeah. And really, you know, and really, What's my porn name. Rusty Gold. Rusty Gold. <laughs> mine is uh, mine is Bo Zachary. Oh, no, uh, Bo Zachary. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if, if we're technically only just talking about the first pressing too, then we could just talk about Love Theme from Kiss. But if we're talking about both pressings, nah, then, yeah. Kiss and Time is still a good. Okay. It, 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 it's not the worst song on it, but it's no. definitely not. All right, so we all agree that Love Theme from Kiss is the least favorite track. Yeah. So that, that was easy to establish. Totally. So. What do you uh, what do you guys feel about the production? I know we've we've gone over it a little bit when we were talking about the tracks, but yeah, um, I mean, I like I said, I was five when this came out, right, or four. I didn't hear too many rock records when I was five or four, but I have heard them now uh, as I got older, like Zeppelin, right, and Eagles, things like that. Those records just sound fuller. Mm -hmm. Those records have a certain production quality that is unmatched mm -hmm. to this day. Bands now can't get that kind of sound. Kiss didn't have that sound at the beginning. They didn't. Right. They had a... It was... It sounded like they were recording it like piecemeal and very... It's very quiet, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you hear, like, the Phil Spector wall sound type sound. I love that. You know, the Ramones did it in, what, Road to Ruin, right? I yeah. Think one of, that was I mean, uh, End of the Century. End of the Century, right. I mean, the, the sound on those records is unbelievable. And the, the sound on this record, it's not... You know, it, it lacks. That's I, I all would, I... You know. I would just pin it more on the players, personally. I think it sounds okay. You know, if you had John Bonham in that room and Jimmy Page and that's true with the same microphones and guitars, I guarantee right. you, you're getting a different album. Yeah, like, and playing the same song. You're right. I think I, I still think they were like newbies. They had right. never recorded before. Green. Oh, wait, actually, no. Wait, I think Gene and Paul. Gene and had, Paul did the Wicked Lester. Right, right. but um, I still think <clears throat> still they were still green, and sure. I, I just think they just. I would say uh, production-wise, sound-wise, it's okay, but maybe like uh, whoever was like motivating them was not getting the best kind of playing out of them. You, you think know? if they would have gotten a better producer at that time, 
like whoever had produced the Zeppelin record, whoever produced the Eagles record, or you know, like who was a really heavy band, Mountain, like yeah. whoever produced like an old Mountain record. Maybe I, I, by production, I'm saying like yeah. the producer, the man, right, telling them the a, guy telling them what to do and right, making it and happen. how to approach, as opposed to like uh, the engineering of it. You know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I, true. I also think that something that has been brought up is that they were a brand new band with no rep just yet, and the label they were on wasn't going to spend a, a shit ton on a, a brand new band's first album. Which also might have played a part into the budget, which may have played a part into some of the restraints of the record, you know? Um, sure, maybe a little bit of the playing, sure, maybe a little bit of the, you know, the actual button pushing and all that, but time, uh, you know, you said it was, it was made really fast. That's money. So that could also be a factor. I mean, just a thought. Well, yeah, I find it interesting that they had recorded demos with Eddie Kramer before they were even signed. Right. They end up recording demos for the first record mm. at Bell Sound Studios even before the record was recorded, and those demos sound pretty identical mm. to what the album ended up sounding like. So my question would be, why why didn't they just hire Eddie Kramer <laughs> to produce the record if you they had think, right? yeah. if they had hired him to well, here's the thing, they they did demos with Eddie Kramer, but I don't think they really had to pay for them at that time. If, right. Mm. Probably I, not. Yeah, there was there was um that was that whole deal that Gene and Paul worked out for doing session work for other artists. They uh, they were able to do a demo with Eddie Kramer uh, f- for free. But you have a you have a label backing you, and you don't try to get Eddie Kramer to produce your right. first record. It's true. It's yeah. kind of weird. I, that, that, it might have been money. It yeah, probably it was. was. Yeah. You know, Richie Richie Wise, Kenny Kerner, they probably came on the cheap. Right. And mm. and that's the thing with those two guys too is. You listen to those Dust records, they, they sound really good. Yeah. <laughs> so why couldn't they bring that to Kiss? Hmm. So I, I think the record, yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with you guys. It's it's the sound of a band that's definitely still finding their way a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right, sure. You know, Ace and Peter had recorded prior, too. You know, Peter Peter recorded with a band called Chelsea, and they released a record Chelsea, on right. uh, DECA, MCA. Yeah, yeah. So, he, you know, they, they had had recording experience, but... Four of them collectively, not very long. I right. Mean, they only got together in '73, and they recorded their first album by the end of the year. I mean, who knows? It's, it could have been insane. a big. It could have been a record label thing too. You right. know, Casablanca was just starting out. They probably yeah. didn't have a lot of money to lay exactly. out and stuff like that. So they probably just hired who they knew. You know. That's true. They they definitely didn't have a lot of money. That's what led to them, and the agreement with Warner Brothers. Right. So, I think there's definitely a lot to be said for that. And even with that, I mean, if you have some money coming in. From Warner Brothers, it's like, why didn't you invest it in? in, yeah, a, in a Warner Brothers solid producer? said, "Ah, oh, you could put a logo on there." <laughs> That's about it. Well, yeah, and then there's the legend of, um, you know, Neil Bogart was still questioning the guys in the band up until the very last minute. You sure you guys want to wear that makeup? Right. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's it's insane to to even think that that was that was a question. But uh, all right, I think. Are you gonna play love theme from Kissing? <laughs> <laughs> it, no. it is the uh, it is the least favorite song. <laughs> now the least favorite track is not gonna get played on the show. All right, cool. so I think I think we're good on the first Kiss record, and cool. we can move on now to um, the second album, Hotter Than Hell. Sounds good. Which was released on October twenty second, nineteen seventy four, and unlike the first <laughs> record. This one was recorded in Los Angeles at the Village Recorder in August of 1974, but like the first record was produced once again by Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise. 
singles that were released. Let Me Go Rock and Roll was released on October 22nd, 1974 and didn't chart. And Higher Than Hell was released in October of 1974 and also did not chart. To date, the album's been certified gold. There's been no updated certifications at this point. And it only peaked at number 100. This was the first Kiss album to be solely manufactured and distributed by Casablanca Records after their distribution deal with Warner Brothers Records had ended. And despite no financial backing from a major label, this album would actually see a promotional commercial aired on TV, whereas there were no commercial TV ads for the debut album released and distributed under that short-lived deal with Warner Brothers. And the infamous album cover photo shoot is something of a legend, as there are multiple accounts of things that took place during this photo shoot. But Lydia Chris has since debunked much of what has been said to have taken place by Paul and Jean, and especially Peter Chris. And in her book, Sealed with a Kiss, she pretty much debunks all these stories of, you know, supposedly sex on the set, and... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I believe, I believe the story about Paul Stanley getting blasted drunk on, on wine. You could see it in you the pictures. You could see it in the pictures. Kind of, yeah. But some of those other stories that uh, Gene and Peter especially had in their books definitely seem a little far-fetched. Hey, is Paul Stanley grabbing Peter Chris's ass? It looks, yes, he is. <laughs> he certainly I think he is. is. Yeah, or like the below his ass area. Well, that was the... when he was drunk, yeah, right? During yeah. the photo shoot. We think so. You know, when you're drunk, That's the true. truth comes out. Was, uh, <laughs> is the front photo shoot the same photo shoot I believe as the it was. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I understand yeah, that it was. I think was. it was all, all done in, in one day. Yeah, I understand it was all done in one day. I think, um... Ace Frehley had gotten into a car accident. And well, yes, that was, yeah. that's yeah. the next thing I was going to say. Yeah. Yep. He uh, he did get into a car accident, and because of that, they had to shoot photos with only half of his face painted. Yep. So then they, they superimposed the other half mm. just in the final thing. photos. So, the good thing yes. about the makeup, it's, you know... That's, right, you could do that. <laughs> yeah, they did yeah, have that totally. to their advantage. No Photoshop back you then. You could uh, no. get life alter, you know, face altering scars, and it wouldn't hurt you too bad. Mm. So, let's uh, let's do the favorite track. Who wants to start off? I'm gonna start because I don't want to get it influenced. All right, huh? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say "Got to Choose" huh. is my favorite track from Hotter Than Hell. Um. It's just the first song. It's re it's kind of spooky, you know. It it sets the tone for the album really well. I feel Paul's vocals are really good on it, even though it sounds like he was, you know, sitting in a dumpster while they were <laughs> while they were filming it while they were recording it. But it's still it's still uh, I, to me that's a song that's very overlooked in Kiss fandom, uh, and I really 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 like that song a lot. I mean, you could always like I said, this album is more or less like the last album. If you're a lifelong Kiss fan. You can look at every song on this album and be like, every song is a winner. Every song is a winner. Uh, but Got to Choose for me is one of the songs that's looked at less on this record than most of the other songs on it. And it's just a rock and it's just a great slow burn, you know, sexy, dirty rock and roll song. And that's why I like it. It's just an awesome album opener, too. Absolutely. Great album opener. All right. You guys, Ron. How about Mike? I am going with Going Blind. It's one of my favorite Kiss songs ever. Yep. And it's definitely my favorite on this album, which overall is one of my least favorite Kiss albums. So Going Blind is like one of the highlights. I like the very fucked up nature of the lyrics, which 
okay, it's a bit, you know, controversial, but yeah. nobody gave a crap for 30-something years, right. probably, if it was controversial. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a song, it's just a story, it's not real. Right. Um, there are no 93-year-olds with 16-year-olds. It's just, you know, the lyrics. And it's not like the lyrics <laughs> right. in Christine 16. Exactly. Wait a exactly. minute, my uncle is... No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> but, but musically, it's heavy, and it's like... It's just different. It's a really different kind of song from Kiss. They don't really have many songs that sound like that one. Right. You know? Very beatly. It, yeah, it yeah. It's it like... It's like a... I don't know. Not Sabbath meets the Beatles, but it's just like... Yeah, it's not very a different bad comparison. Yeah, but yeah, it's just... And it's, you know... A dark, cool, slow song. So that's my favorite. Also, song. again, Dinosaur Junior did a great cover oh, of that. Yeah, and, great and cover the Melvins. Yeah, oh, it's hard, Mel hard for me to choose. Melvins, yes, it's so hard yeah. for me to choose. You know, you got to choose, but it's hard for me to choose. <laughs> got to choose. Who's, choose. Whose version is better of Going Blind, the Melvins or Dinosaur Junior? That's, right. that's a real tough one. They're both me. great. They, they are both I, excellent. I I love that song. I think it's hard not to love it. Mm. But I almost feel like it's such an outsider song. It almost sounds like Kiss. It's almost like a Gene Simmons solo song put on a Kiss record. Hmm. It doesn't like make sense in their broader catalog. Like even less so than like um, you know, I was made for loving you. It's just like hmm. I mean, granted I'm saying I love the song, but it just almost is like a complete anomaly uh, amongst on that record and on their broader catalog. It's like there's they've never done anything like it since. It sounds like them, I, I agree, very Beatlesque. It sounds like them putting on another band's like kind of skin for like hmm. a song. And then, hmm. even though it works, like they, they sound good and all, but it just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me as a Kiss song. Even though I love it and it is a Kiss song. It's interesting. Right. Right. It's weird Interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. It's weird to me. Hmm. And, so, and I almost like, I almost not disregard it, but it's, to me it's like I just put that song on a shelf like on its own it's like it's just doing something else and right. I'm not going to compare it to anything else because it's almost like mm -hmm. I, I don't know it's, a, it's part of a different narrative that I, I can't put my finger on but with that said Joe what is your favorite song? <laughs> well thank you <laughs> yes no um, it's, to me it's a toss up between Parasite and Strange Ways um, both fairly Paris, too yeah both fairly uh Peter Chris sings Strange Ways. Uh, Parasite is just like that riff is so gnarly. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, there's something about Ace Frehley when he's like really catches a riff. It's so angular. It's so jagged. And that, that riff, it's just so funky, too. It's great. However, I think I will say Strange Ways is my ultimate favorite. That okay. song is Good so, choice. so dirgy. Um, do me it's you know in a way it's an anomaly again in and of itself but it still feels like kiss um <clears throat> i don't know it's almost sabbathy it's like really dark and uh ace fairly does a crazy like psycho solo on there this sounds like you know he's got there's like tons of effects on it It almost sounds like it's backwards he, he, he did he recorded it backwards all right they, they played the tape backwards and he, he laid down that track i believe um the lyrics are just spaced out and i don't know to me it's just like a I, you know, I actually covered that song with a, a man of mine in the past. Oh yeah, I remember oh. you, Black Pig, right? Yeah, I, t I still have that on my uh, on my hard drive. Mm. <laughs> so, so in that sense, it has a special place for me. So, I, I think I'm gonna go with Strange Ways. Okay. If I had to pick one immediately right now, I'm gonna pick Got to Choose. 
So, um, got to choose. It's like the first time. It depends on what day you are. You know, it depends uh-huh. on what day of the week it is. Like, like Strange Ways, unbelievable, unbelievable song. It's tough because I could have picked. I could have easily picked Parasite too, but right. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll explain why I didn't pick Parasite later on. But I could have picked Let Me Go Rock and Roll. You know, it's it's a, there's a few of them. Like but I said. Inevitably, I'm I'm gonna go with Got to Choose. I, I recorded my own version years ago for fun. So even even by that too, I'm I'm gonna go with Got to Choose. So, we have the most votes for Got to Choose. We got the, we kind of put this whole air about this record in this little conversation that we had, that it's such a very different sounding mm. Kiss record, right? Like like I couldn't really pinpoint why Got to Choose sounds so eerie and different. You did the same with with Strange Ways, and you did the same with Parasite. You know, I think this album this album is kind of like Kiss lore. You know. Like the whole thing with the photo shoot and the fact that it sounds like, like I said before, it was recorded like it sounds like it was recorded in a bathroom. You know, like so much <laughs> echo and like terrible sound. Mm. But then, like it, it, but it's, but it's signature Kiss. You know, yeah. and there's and there is a lot of winners on this record. A lot of Kiss uh, standards, like Hotter Than Hell. I mean, yeah. Hotter Than Hell is is, is a go to Kiss song. Well, yeah. Let you me know? go rock and roll too. Yeah, let me go rock and roll. They, I just saw right. them last week and they played that. I yeah. was amazed that they played that. Hmm. Uh, Watching you is a is is a real kind of eerie, mm-hmm. you know. Watching you is a great, great yeah. I mean that that could have been like a almost like a part two. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See what I mean. This album has a certain air about it. I feel. That, I used to cover just, uh, no, wait, watching you. Yeah, I used to I used to cover that song with my band Planet Earth way back when. Oh, oh wow! That's cool. Wow, that was very a long cool. Time ago. I remember you guys yeah. then too. Um, mm. Well, supposedly, what they were trying to achieve with the production. The overcompression and everything. Supposedly, they were trying to make their own version of a Black Sabbath record. So, I mean, if you right. if you listen to the Black Sabbath records that, that were true? out around that did time, they, did they say that? I I, I forget if Maybe. someone specifically said it, but I, I'm pretty sure I either read it in one of these books or I heard it on one of the random Kiss podcasts. It but makes well, sense. By the time it was released, Sabbath had had out. Oh boy. Five uh, the first six records. Yeah. So yeah. They, <laughs> Uh, yeah, seventy four. I think there's a good case for that. Like they, yeah, they were trying maybe. to make their own yeah. kind of Black Sabbathy sounding record. Yeah, Sabbath was a monster band. You know, in that genre, I guess they were trying to reach that kind of stardom in that genre. You know, makes sense. What's it, that? Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Uh, what's albumized for Black Sabbath? Fifth. For, yeah, I'm just gonna say fourth or fifth. It's their fifth album. That's their fifth. What's the one after? Sabotage. Sabotage. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of pretty. This is in. I believe this um, looking at the date is after Sabbath is after Sabbath, Boy Sabbath, and before Sabotage. So maybe. Hmm. I was I was even thinking like Master Masters of Reality, because of the way that. No, I meant just right. timeline wise. No, I know. I I'm just there. saying as far as the production, and production, yeah. the production. Yeah. I feel like that was like their attempt at like a Masters of Reality sure. record. So. Okay. Right. Uh, so I th- we got a we got a clear winner there on we, the uh, yeah. favorite song. We got a clear yeah. winner, so let's play from Hotter Than Hell, nineteen seventy four. Here's got to choose. <laughs>
All right, that was Got to Choose from Hotter Than Hell. And we've talked about the favorite track. Let's get to the least favorite track. So, um... Mainline! <laughs> All right, so... Ron volunteers. No, that was a cough, guys. That was a cough. No, uh, no I'll, I'll just say it, Mainline. It's not a bad song, but it's not it's not a good song on this record. That's, okay. I mean, that's... I, it's a good song. It is. It's a Kiss song. Yeah, it's So I like it. But, uh... On this record, it just doesn't fit. It's it's I'm, like uh, I'm gonna concur. Yeah. Even though it's a Peter Chris lead vocal. Yeah. And a lot of people say almost all his songs are great. Well, that's not really mm. true. Not all of his songs are great. <laughs> this is about probably that. one of the weakest ones. And yeah. I'm gonna say this is an example of one of his songs. <laughs> Most people yeah. have obviously never heard his solo album. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I meant the Kiss. Uh, yeah. Yeah, as far as Kiss records, no, you're right. He, he does get to shine a lot. Let's he be does. Honest. He really does. He really in does. the scope of things, yeah. his songs are pretty special. Yeah, Peter this Chris is gets not a lot one of his tunes, special yeah. ones, so that is also mine. All right. Okay. Joe, I think all the way is probably the weakest. Really, mm. it's just the the uh, verse part is kind of interesting. But like after that, I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> I you know I agree I with that too. And that's, yeah, it's definitely number two of the of the worst songs. I mean, mainline not overly exciting or interesting, but it's kind of has has a kind of like a consistent beat and the choruses sing along. But yeah. I don't know, all the way it just seems it's like jumbled and I don't know. It doesn't seem like a cohesive thought. Hmm. What do you think, Pete? I'm gonna have to go with Ron and Mike and say mainline. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh Jesus. Oh. I'm gonna have to go with that one as as my least. You favorite kind of track. agree for the same reasons as the, that it's a least favorite. Yeah, I just I, I think it's it's, it's not a strong it, song. Yeah, it's not a very it's not a very strong song overall in the context of the rest of the album. Mm. And you know, like you guys have said, it's not one of Peter's greatest moments. It's not a it's not a terrible song, but it definitely qualifies to me as least favorite. <laughs> in my notes, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote about mainline. I wrote uh, pleasant enough, but not a great song. <laughs> A bit of a filler, <laughs> but always nice hearing Peter Chris. No, always nice hearing Peter Chris. He said what you said. Uh, you, were, you guys called each other earlier and spoke about this. I know you did. It's hilarious. So, all right, so uh, we have discussed it a little bit, but let's have a discussion about the infamous production, the yeah. money production. I'll say of the, of the three we're going to discuss, it's pretty fucking obvious that this one... Has the has the worst production of the three? Absolutely. Um, again, I I don't know, man. I feel like Casablanca was didn't put what they should have behind those first two records. I think that a hundred percent, you know, and I, they would have benefited from using maybe one of the better, bigger kind of rock producers of the day. Or maybe a, a better studio, yeah, more time. There's all these little factors. But you know what? They themselves were, this is when they were like younger and more prone to partying, maybe more prone to dicking around. And I don't know. They weren't Kiss yet. They were Kiss. But to me, they weren't even Kiss yet on the first two records. Uh, one could argue they weren't Kiss yet until Alive came out. So, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it suffers from this kind of overall messy sound. He could he couldn't have said it better. Mm. I mean, it just has this. It has like a funnel sound. It sounds like it was 
recorded in the in like I'm making a circle shape with my mm-hmm. hands. It sounds like it was recorded <laughs> like this. Should have been like this. Right, right. You know, and that's that's what I, I feel got. that about the certain like '90s records. They have this kind of uh, this thing going on, mm-hmm. and it's just like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. They needed to open up the sound a little more. Yeah. The I first think record sounds more. It definitely breathes. Yeah. It breathes it, a yeah, lot Yeah. The, the first record sounds a little more open than this one. This one sounds a little more shut down. Yeah, I think but... the the best example of of on the album where you listen to it and it's like everything is just crushed except for the bass and the guitars really and it's yeah. the, the, the version of coming home right the drums it's like where's the hi-hats right 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 <laughs> where, all you hear is all you hear is a snare yeah. and a kick drum right. mostly mm-hmm. and everything else is just a wash in guitars bass and Paul Stanley's vocals right. with whatever effect was well, chosen to be put on his vocals. You mentioned they were going for more of like a Sabbath doomy sound. Right. That's that's. that's I think they achieved been, that, but I think they went a little overboard. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. what's been said, and like I like I was saying to you guys when we weren't recording, um, it's something that I picked up on either in one of the books I own or one of the various Kiss centric podcasts. But I'm pretty sure that that was their goal was to try <coughs> to make their own version of a Black Sabbath record. So makes sense. And because of that production, I kind of feel. That's almost why, to me, "Strange Ways" is the best song because it's the mo- it's the track most suited to that production. Yeah. Whereas, like, uh, "Let fair. Me Go Rock and Roll," it's like this like '50s number, but it sounds like it's like, you know, in this like r- shit, ratty shithole like recording studio. I don't know. Right. It just sounds com- totally. Yeah, you're right. A lot of and a lot of songs gain from that sound, like like Two Timer" and like you said, "Strange Ways." It's interesting. I'm reading uh, on on the Wikipedia. I'd read earlier today that like when they got there, Paul Stanley's guitar was stolen. Yeah. And that they didn't they didn't like the the LA surrounding as opposed to the New York. So, like it was like a bad vibe, you know. Maybe that kind of comes into play because if you get there, your guitar is stolen before you've recorded a note, and you don't like the place, you don't like your surroundings, it's going yeah. to show up on your fucking album. I agree with 100%. that. One hundred percent. I agree. So That's a- that could be it. <clears throat> Good point. Never mm-hmm. really, I actually really never thought of it that way. Mm. Well, you guys were talking about Strange Ways before. There's that infamous story that Strange Ways could have been much longer as Peter Chris insisted on including a drum solo in the middle of the song. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Peter Chris. I think he threatened it, to put the Yeah, band. he threatened. Oh, wow. And this was, um, this was in uh, his ex-wife's book, too. She, wow. she confirmed that, that he did... Threatened to quit the band. Is that worth reading? That's a good one. Oh, absolutely. There's so many books. That, absolutely. Yeah, I, I so would many. definitely recommend getting mm. her her book. Mm. It's definitely one of the best. But just just thinking of that is just like it's ludicrous. What? He I think he wanted the song to be like about seven or eight minutes <laughs> with that drum solo. Wow. But what's a clock in at? It's like a little under four minutes, right? No, the whole the whole album. I mean. Oh, the album. Oh, hold on, I'll tell you in a second. I, I yeah, actually have to. Wait that album's a little longer than Dress to Kill. I'm Not gonna, much, though. I'm gonna say like thirty four minutes. Yeah, maybe the jump solo. Thirty three oh two. Thirty three oh two. It's like a modern hardcore record. <clears throat> they should have given Peter Chris his uh, his one hour and fifty eight minute one short. hour and fifty eight minute drum solo. Made it an even thirty five. Call it a day. It's, it it's short for a '70s rock record, but for me, as a human, be- as for me, thirty to thirty-five minutes is perfection. I me too. Hate records longer than that, personally. So, in almost any genre, almost. <laughs> I agree. Well, almost. Any that's genre. that's really a perfect segue to the next album, then, 
Dress to kill. Because Dress to Kill is pretty fucking short. Yeah, it is short. It's, <laughs> so, let's it's talk, almost punk short. Let's talk about Dress to Kill, which was released on March 19th, 1975. They came back to New York City this time around, and they recorded this record at Electric Lady Studios. And uh, Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise were not retained for this record. <laughs> well, I can't believe <laughs> They were given not. the proverbial boot. Well, you could attribute it most mostly to trying to cut some costs, but mm. the album ended up being produced by Neil Bogart, obviously the head of Casablanca Records. Did a hell of a job. He, yeah. He definitely did. Surprise, surprise. So it's said to be produced by Neil Bogart along with Kiss. <clears throat> and uh, the singles that were released were Rock and Roll All Night, released on April 2nd, 1975, which hit number 68 on Billboard's Hot 100, and Come On and Love Me, which was released on July 10th, 1975, which did not chart. The album, just like the first two, is certified gold up to this point. There's been no update, but again, we can assume it's probably sold platinum or more by this point. And it peaked on Billboard at number 32. And so, as I said, this was the first and only album to have been produced by Neil Bogart as a means of cutting costs, not having to hire and pay a producer. And it was mostly written in the studio as Kiss were rushed to write and record another album once sales for Hotter Than Hell had peaked and cooled off. Songs such as She and Love Her All I Can were taken from the unreleased Wicked Lester album. And really? Were kiss- yeah, and they mm. were kissified for the time. Oh. And just as we were saying before about this album being very short, the album just passes the 30-minute mark at 30 minutes and 7 seconds. And it's been said that the gaps in between the songs, especially on the vinyl, were purposely elongated yes. to bring the album to at least 30 minutes. So it means it's material. less than that. So that means it's literally even less than that because you figure mm-hmm. there's 10 songs, shave 10, 10 seconds at least off that. So it's count, less than did that. you count yeah. the, the spaces in between on a record? I mean, I, I, I as they as actually like, all, yeah, they are length, yeah. on this, in this instance because it needed to be a minimum of 30 minutes. I think right. that's, what they're trying, like, that's what they're trying to say. I, like They probably added five seconds to C- each blank area. <laughs> I think the CD may may be the same amount of time. I don't think it goes under 30 minutes. It go, oh, really? Yeah, so. right. it might be 30. Right, at the end of the song, it's just some blank space before the they next might have, They might have shaved a second off, uh, right. half a second off here and there, but I think even on the CD, it, it reaches over 30 minutes. Pretty well. But, uh, Pretty well. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's discuss. I think we started with everyone except Joe. Right? Yeah, let's start with Joe on this. A lot of pressure, guys. This is favorite track on Dress to Kill. Great record. Jesus. Jesus is not on this. Had a star with me. That's a Slayer (laughs) album. (laughs) 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 Another (laughs) I Am Vinyl podcast. (laughs) There you go. I'm going to do Slayer. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have a. I'm not prepared with an answer. Does anyone want to? I'll start if you want. Right, think about it. Think okay. about it. Okay. I'm going to start. I'm just going for it. I do love almost every song on this album yep. uh, equally. I love them all, but mm-hmm. I I love them all almost equally because they're all really, really good, tight Kiss tunes, man. Love Her All I Can is unbelievable. Yeah. She, unbelievable. Uh, ex- all except Rock and Roll All Night because that's a song that I can go the rest of my life without hearing again. Understand. And I'd be fine. Uh, Come On and Love Me is a great song. Anything for My Baby is a great song. Rock Bottom is such yeah, a great cool song. song. Oh, Getaway, yeah. Peter Chris, unbelievable. That's Ladies in Waiting is a great song. Room Service is an unbelievable opener. But I am going to pick as my favorite, Two Timer. 
Because wow. Two Timer wow. is another rock and roll slow burn kind of Gene Simmons mm -hmm. groove that only Gene Simmons could get away with, and it is for me a signature Dress to Kill song. For me, oh. I know they don't play it often enough. It was on Alive, correct? It was. No, it was. It was, it like was, two? It, was it was intended. To, I it think was. They, I think they recorded it to be intended. Oh, ladies and waiting. I'm thinking of ladies and waiting. I'm thinking of ladies and oh, waiting. Oh, well, well. Ladies and waiting is on two. Well, right. Two Timer was. I think Two Timer might have been recorded, but it it was infamously put on that you wanted the it best, was, you got uh, the best. Uh, oh, that's right, that's right, that's where I remember hearing. But they it. they totally redid a whole bunch of tracks. That's okay. It wasn't. Yeah, even, yeah. It wasn't Paul, even. It sounded like legit. Paul Stanley '97 on exactly. that record. Exactly. It was like, so, <laughs> like, come on, guys, do you, you really think we can't tell? His bass playing on that song. Is I want to know. It's great. His bass playing on Two Timer is awesome. I'm still gonna go two timer. Okay. I love two timer. It's a great song. It's a cool Gene Simmons riff and song, and just great. It just equifies that moment for me. Yeah, it's funny, you know, when 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 I was younger and my brother was younger, that was one of those songs that we used to make fun of. <laughs> but you know, as I, as I got older, that was one of those songs too, where it's just like you know, I told Joe this years ago. Um, Ladies in Waiting was another one that I was, you know, we, we used to make fun of. Ladies and waiting. But, <laughs> great you know, song, but great again, song. But again, later on you grow up a little bit and you go, you know, that's a really good song. And Two Timer, uh, I just, I love the pre-chorus of Two Timer. That's something that uh, I even mentioned to my brother in recent years that it was just like, I really picked up on. Like, I really like that pre-chorus to, to, to Two Timer, <laughs> you know, before they launch into the Two Timer, you know, this, this, yep, everything yep. that up, up into that. That's definitely one of my favorite moments on the record. So let's get to Mike. What's your my favorite? My favorite track. This is hard because this is my favorite Kiss album. And I kind of feel like there is not a bad song on it, just like Ron. But my favorite is, I'm, I'm going to tie it. It's it's a tie between Lover All I Can and Getaway. Those are my two favorite songs on the album. Good songs. 100%. Um, they're the most kind of rocked out, kind of up-tempo songs. I like those kind of songs. I like like up-tempo, catchy rock songs. Um, to me, that's if, if you're playing rock and roll and you don't have those kind of songs, you're doing rock and roll very wrong. Um, this album is just, it reeks of New York City, this album. I don't know, there's something like, I think it's because of the cover and mm. how they shot the cover. And oh, it's yeah. just something about this record to me is very New York-y. It's in New York City. It's that cover. And mm. it just reminds me of being a little kid in New York City, you could say. Um, and yeah, love her all I can. Like all those notes. There's a lot of notes in there, right? But it's so fucking cool and it just it just makes sense, you know? And Getaway is a highlight uh, fucking Peter Chris singing song. 100%. Totally. That's one of the best things he's ever sung, in my opinion. Uh, so those are my, that's my tie two favorites on the album. Getaway is another case where it's an Ace Frehley song that was given to Peter to sing, just like mm. Strange Ways. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, as far as as far as I'm concerned, it, it's it's really tough. I mean, uh, I can go I can go with Come On and Love Me. I can go with Love Her All I Can. I can go with She. It's it's definitely a. It's a hard record. A really, it yeah. is hard. This one is tougher than than the first two for some reason. It pick, is to pick a favorite track, but really, if if I'm gonna pick my favorite track on the record at this point it's, it's going to be she oh cool. interesting yeah okay. I, I've just 
I've just always gravitated to that song ever since I was a little kid. But yeah, I'm gonna go with she. Classic with, with, kiss with song. The, with those other two, really, really close behind. Hmm. But I, I just love that song. Cool. Joe, have you uh, decided? I have. <clears throat> um, I this album to me is a Paul Stanley album. He hmm. he shines on this album. Like if you all the song, like the best songs to me are his songs. I mean, Room Service. Um, Rock Bottom, Come On and Love Me, Love Roll I Can. Mm-hmm. Those songs have such a spark, such a drive, such cool, like, just guitar uh, licks. And that's why my favorite song on the album is She. All right. Because <laughs> even, even even though I think it's Paul's record, the song that stands out is the most unique. And I, I just, I'm just drawn to, like, the dirgier stuff, just in general, just preference for music but that song is is fucking heavy that song is it's dirty it's tough it, it's got some soulful parts it's got a little creepiness and mystery to it um it, i don't know at the end it kind of does that like fucking i don't know it just has like a tough sound to it yeah well it's time for a dark moment about that song i just looked up the co-writer Oh God, Steve Cornell! And I had no idea about this till right now. I know, Sam right now. And yeah, he is in prison as we speak yep. right now, man, for child pornography. Yep. Five oh, counts of child pornography. Yep. Wow. Oh, so good. one of the, the main uh, Wicked Lester dudes oh, is in dude. prison. Well, she was originally um, a Wicked Lester tune. So oh. how old was she? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no! Wait, he got out in March of this year. He got out in March yeah. of this year. Hey, he did his time. Yeah, he did his time. But uh, <laughs> he's 68 now. Jesus Christ! Wow. Being in prison at that age has got a blow. But uh, she is awesome. <laughs> she <laughs> is awesome. I don't know if it's as awesome as the Misfits. She, but well, that's maybe, right. maybe but, it doesn't blow. No, he's getting paid. That's true. He's getting, he's, getting, he's, getting, he's, getting, he's getting fed. He's got a place to sleep. <laughs> Sixty-eight years old. I don't think I. I think prison would be a welcome change way, for me when I'm yeah, old. Yeah, what else? Ron just changed my mind about prison. I'm not going to do anything. Ron just changed my mind. Prison in my sixties. I like it. Let's go for it. Let's go. Let's get some. I'll throw you some child porn on your computer. No, no, no. Call the authorities. No, not child porn. I would do like bank robbing in 60s. Oh, okay. Oh, right. oh, he's in the 60s. Take it easy with him. You know? And there's also a chance you could get away with it. Yes, exactly. I don't know, but he was wearing a Venom shirt. He had a Venom shirt. He looked very old. He was wearing a mask, but he also had a Venom shirt. I think he's 68 to 69 years old. You'll be standing right. outside the bank in a Venom shirt. Yeah, Hi, here I am. Or, or bathroom. Um, but yeah, I... You know, I wow, that's pretty fucked up about that guy. But anyway, um, <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, it's a dark tune. She is a really dark tune. Like the ending is like really kind of weird and different and interesting. You know, again, maybe Sabbath-esque. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. Yeah, if they if Gene or Paul would ever really fess up to just how much they might have liked Sabbath. Back it's then. super heavy. It is. It's one. It's it's one of the heavier Kiss songs yeah, of yeah. that of those first three records. Totally. As the Kiss fanatics, why didn't Cornell make the cut for Kiss? Like, or because because was Wicked Lester like broke up, broke up, and then Kiss formed, or was it more like? I think Gene and Paul. I think it was almost like they well they formed a bond, and I think it was almost like they felt that they looked more up like uh, the part, gotcha. rock and roll. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't think they didn't think Cornell had look. Yeah, you know, gotcha. if, if you ever see pictures of him, you know he's curly hair, glasses. 
Okay, yeah, that happens. Typical pedophile. He had a real pedo look on him. Things I did not think we would be discussing on this podcast. Hey, why not? Listen. Wait, you didn't think pedophilia was In a kiss podcast? Have you never heard Going Blind? Chris Steve 16. It's not even that good of a song. But anyway, I don't really like that song. That's a whole other story. Not that good of a song. Okay, not in the, I didn't think it would be come up in this context. <laughs> as far as lyrics, you know, yeah. We're still having a, having a good laugh. Yeah. At some poor child's expense. Oh, God. We're, we're just terrible. <laughs> we are. So. Incorrigible. So what, what is you the song? Inco- the, it looks the like she is the next. Is she is the winner, right? Listening, uh, she, yeah. she is the you champion. You know, it's, it's, it, as much as. Much as I want to play two timer, just for the fact that Ron surprised us with that one. Mm. Yeah, the favorite track collectively is She. So let's play She. Enjoy. From All Dress right. to Kill. Sounds good.
Alright, that was She from Dress to Kill, the favorite track collectively amongst this group. So now we will go to the least favorite track, and we'll start with Mike on this one. Um, okay, it's weird <coughs> to say this because it's my favorite Kiss album, and there really isn't a bad song, but the song that doesn't necessarily really do it for me is Come On and Love Me, believe it or not. <laughs> believe oh, it or wow. not. Wow, really? Wow. Yes, it's a good song. I don't know. It just doesn't. Is it the Capricorn get, she's a cancer? It doesn't. It doesn't get Mike out of bed like the other ones do. I guess we could say, but it's not a bad song, and I like it. It's just not in my my lexicon of my my favorites of the album. Okay. It's my least favorite. Well, that's why we have to pick a least favorite. Yeah, so it could even be a good song. Joe. At the risk of uh, upsetting Mr. Ron here. Uh oh. <laughs> No, go right ahead, man. Two timer. It's all good. Ah, You're not like upsetting it, me. I, not, okay. you know, not that I don't like it. I just, I, I don't find it very exciting. Mm. Um, it's a little slow. It sounds like it. It could. It sounds like they should have played it faster to me. I don't know. It's just hmm. not. Not, not my favorite. All right. Okay. I like the slowness of that song. Now I'm looking over the list of songs on this album. And I'm going to say two-time rope. No, I'm kidding. I will. I am going to... You know, <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite and my least favorite. No, uh, I'm going to say Rock and Roll All Night. Uh, Interesting. Just because it's that song that I've heard one trillion times. I'm the guy that leaves when they start playing uh, Rock and Roll All Night. Because I know it's the last song. I know the confetti's coming. Mm. And I know that I'm going to beat the crowd. As soon as I hear that... <laughs> right out the door, man. I'm like, I know it's coming. And I'm the first one out of the arena every time. That's I don't funny. hate the song. I don't hate it. It's a rock. It's an American rock and roll trademark. Yeah. It's a trademark. It's a Fourth of July. It's everything in America rolled up into one. That yeah. is that is Kiss's. That will be that will be on every member of Kiss's gravestone. Oh. We rocked and rolled all night and partied half of the day. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost for that reason I almost give that song a pass because I, I cannot I can't judge it. Fairly. Right, exactly. So There's no judging it fairly, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna totally <laughs> just like, gonna I'm it. just gonna wipe it out of the, the, the rec Like I'm okay. looking at the record, just cover it. Every song there is unbelievable, mm. you know. And I, I can't choose Rock and Roll and I over any of those songs. Okay. So that's why I have to go that way. Makes sense. I prefer the version on Alive over the studio Absolutely. version for sure. So, Me too. you know, by that, I, I, I could even say it might be my, my least favorite on the record. But honestly. You know, if we're talking song versus song, I, I couldn't I couldn't say that would be my least favorite. So it, it would it would have to be, even though it's not a really it's not a bad song. It, it's it has to be Getaway. Wow. Look, now you've got, now you pissed him off. The bald Get guy. Away? It's bald against hair, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. It's, Get uh, away. It's bald against hair. Are you hair. a communist? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't like getaway. It's uh, saying like it. Wow. There has to be a least favorite. Now wow, what? Now what? Shocker. All right. So then, if if, if you're saying that that's, that's your least, favorite, what's your second least favorite? Yeah, I have to know that. Yeah, that, that I I'm I'm going for that. Ladies I, I'm waiting. <laughs> Ladies and waiting. Okay. Okay. That's it. All right, so it's rock and roll all night stays. Rock and roll stays. Rock and roll all night stays in the top uh, eight, whatever it is. <laughs> wow. Seven. Wow, he has thrown a curveball. It's just a kill. <laughs> Ladies and waiting. Uh, Gene literally ref 
you know, refers to women as meat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm meat. Hey. 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 Meat the meat. Tonight. It was the 70s, damn it. That's all I have to say. They were oh, saying a lot worse things about women than meat. Song. Let's be honest. No, that's, yeah, what, that's why I like the song. Again, yeah, again good song, but, you know, we have, to, we have to have least favorites here. No, you're absolutely that's, right. That's, that's, that's the deal. It probably is the only song in existence where the first two lines are. So you've been to the market, and the meat looks good to have. It's the most chauvinistic song. Well. You move on down well, the Those line. first two sentences are out of control. Love it. Yeah. Like, they are just objects for him to take yeah. and choose from. Well, that's been Gene's M.O. since the beginning, yeah. right? Um, I mean, you can't fault the guy He's been me too and it did apparently no damage whatsoever. So yeah, there, there you go. There's Gene's It's true. It's funny. It had no effect. Zero. So yeah. And you know where the ladies are waiting in the ladies' room. Yeah. Ah, As always. Ladies are waiting in the ladies' room. room. Ladies' room. Christine Sixteen's in there. Yeah. Yeah. They could. Yeah. They could definitely. We could definitely compile a list of their most women sketch songs, and a couple of them are on this record. Yeah. Domino. So, Domino. Murder in high heels. Like, I forget oh that Domino. Domino, to can't, me, is one of their best songs. Domino is one of their best songs. And it is lyrically one of their sketchiest songs. Domino? <laughs> Big fan of Domino, are you? That song's amazing. <laughs> that bitch bends over. The music. <laughs> exactly. The music. Like, <laughs> musically, it is like this, like, fucking uh, uh, ass-kicking rock and roll song. I like that song. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. All right, so... You're in a strip club. Put that song. On. Oh, oh, it's party time. The girls are dancing. Follow it up know. with some girls, girls, girls. You're in yeah, the night. Right. Is, the night is complete. Yes. <clears throat> Let's move on to the uh, production. Yeah. How do we feel about the production in comparison? Vast to, improvement. To the first two? Vast yeah. improvement. Yeah, I think up. we're all in agreement on that. Big step yeah. up. This was Kiss's. Uh, I think. Listen, third record, right? Mm-hmm. It was their shot. It was uh, make a break, probably at this point. Yeah. You know. And uh, I, the the production to me sounds worlds better than both records, mm. both the first records. I, I, it's interesting that Neil Bogart produced it. You know, like you wouldn't think with Kiss. Yeah, right? I you bet know? you they had a big hand in it. Yeah. Mm. Thing I, is, it's like nothing. It's very really clean production. Like yeah. nothing's overly. There's no compressed. There's no big reverb sound. It's just right. this clean. He just they just kind of like just capture the instruments, capture them playing. There's no fuss or must to it. It's just, it's just there. And, yeah, uh, good rock and nice. roll record. Yeah, yeah. Didn't Neil Bogart produce like old Donna Summer stuff and things like that? I think he did. He might have, because she was on Casablanca See. also. Yeah, she was. She sure I thought, was. I thought she had that um, the famous disco producer. Uh, d- he did some of her. Uh, Marauder, he, did, uh, Marauder, uh, he, did, he did. I feel love. He did but do I, all her shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I pretty Neil Bogart might have done like some of her early stuff. I'm not sure. But it sounds like it makes sense, you know, because she was the she was the queen of Casablanca at that at that time, <clears throat> late seventies. He pro- uh, he like executive produced them. I know that. Cause... Mm. Uh, what do you find? Anything good? Well, it seemed like, yeah, he he was the promoter of right. Donna Summer, Village People, sure. T Rex. Uh... T Rex. That's what it says. <laughs> uh, wow. He was a promoter of their careers. Yeah. Um, but as far as pr- producer, hmm. 
He doesn't have a thing that's like, okay, here are his produced records. Yeah, it says George, it actually says here Giorgio Moroder. Yeah. It seemed like he was a big behind the scenes and money guy, but not necessarily a big record producer okay. guy. Supposedly Kiss were, were talking about working with him. I think uh, with Giorgio Marauder for around for, the time for, for, made for uh, yeah I think that would have made a lot of sense actually yeah. it wow. sounds like a that it sounds like that, that break that song, in the song yeah. that totally sounds like a the sound effects could have heard that right in Scarface with yeah Scarface guys are you aware that he was 39 when he died Neil Bogart oh yeah I was not aware of that young dude wow crazy so yeah I mean. He was like, oh, cancer! Wow. Yeah. He was. He wasn't a big record producer. He was a big, he was the label guy, money right. guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. He didn't. He didn't have extensive produ- producing no, uh, experience. But yeah, again, it was a cost-cutting measure. Uh, Think about it though. The first two albums essentially bombed. He's like, yes. He's like, I'm gonna right. come in there. He's yes. like, album three, I'm coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, if yeah. it's gonna bomb, it's gonna be on the mind. Right. right. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to pay anybody to have this bomb. Right. You know, I'll do it myself he, he, for free. You know, whatever, whoever technically produced it, whatever, it came out great. Yeah, yeah. Well, but before I... And he, it produced Kiss's biggest hit. Well, I mean... Neil Bogart was also known for producing a lot of the, you know, the, the, the so-called bubblegum uh, music. Right. Of, like, the late 60s. Yes. Right. So, you know, it, it's been said that when he made the decision to produce Dress to Kill, he was purposely trying to make it more palatable... For a wider audience, right. so he grew I mean, up in Flatlands. Nice side note, Brooklyn guy. Oh, really? He yeah. Succeeded. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly it must it must have worked. I mean, the album peaked at number thirty-two. It was the highest charting Kiss album to that point. You know, they they actually charted with a single right above ninety-nine. Yeah, right? it wasn't in you know, Rock and Roll All Night went to went right? to Rock and Roll All Night hit number sixty-eight. And what was Kiss in Time again? Kiss in Time hit eighty-three. Yeah. All right, so, so not bad. Respectable. I, I, I think uh, I think there's something to be said about his decision to, to produce the record, right. and, and it, it did produce good results as opposed to the first two albums. But I did the right thing. Yeah. All right. So next, moving on, we're going to talk about Kiss Alive, released on September 10th, 1975, and was recorded at various locations over four dates: May 16th, 75, at Cobo Hall in Detroit; June 21st, 1975, at Cleveland Music Hall. July 20th, 1975, at the RKO Orpheum Theater, Davenport. July 23rd, 1975, Wildwood Convention Center in Wildwood. And this was produced by Eddie Kramer. The single released was Rock and Roll All Night, released on October 14th, 1975. And to this point, their highest charting single on Billboard Hot 100, peaking at number 12. And it's been certified quadruple platinum but is now said to have also sold over 9 million copies the peak billboard album chart position was number nine and it is their first official platinum and multi-platinum album wow try saying that 10 times yeah. in a row platinum multi-platinum <laughs> just say it once in a row yeah. <laughs> just, just say it once in a row okay all right okay and you know something we'll obviously discuss when once it comes down to the production pretty widely known amongst KISS fans that there were plenty of touch-ups and re-records done on the album and the drum tracks are probably the most live element of the entire record and this was discussed on the VH1 episode of Classic Albums featuring KISS Alive in which all four original members participated in along with Eddie Kramer discussing how the album was made so uh, in this in this instance I thought we would go with 
Which track benefited the most from the live atmosphere in, in, in the production? Let's start with Mike. Well, I got the obvious answer, and then I just have a backup. You know, a backup. The obvious answer is Rock and Roll All Night. This is the version that kind of really put them on the map. It, it, it was a, the highest charting single at that point. Mm -hmm. I think this version in people's heads is more of the version than the Dress to Kill version in a way, you know? Like, Absolutely. It's like, some people don't like live recordings, but I think a lot, most people like this live recording, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like it can be like a go-to record for a lot of people, this mm -hmm. album in particular. Um, and certainly Alive too for another discussion. For me personally, actually, Alive too. But, um, yeah, that obviously benefited. It became a ten times bigger song. The realization of the chorus was fucking realized, so to speak, with the live version, with the entire fucking arena, whatever, singing along, you know. Um, and then I, I would say uh, Deuce and Strutter also benefited greatly. I think mm -hmm. those, those, they were bangers already, you know, but they became those live fucking bangers, those two, you know, Kiss staples. So those are my, those are my three, I'll say. Yeah, and also with the live version of Rock and Roll All Night, there was a guitar solo added. Correct. I forgot about studio that. studio version didn't even have one. Yes, right. exactly, exactly. It's hard yeah, to believe, no lead, right? It's hard to believe, like, when you listen to the studio version... You kind of forget that there's, that solo isn't there, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it is really hard to believe that they didn't they didn't originally decide to record a guitar solo on the studio version and then opted to include one on the live version. You could say the live version of Rock and Roll Night made them rich men in a way. You could say absolutely, that. yeah. So yep. I don't even think uh, well the local uh, classic rock station here, Q one hundred four. I don't think they ever play the studio. <laughs> no, version. They, they don't. don't. They don't. I, I've never heard the studio version on the and radio. I, and I'm not sure, but I think the version they play... Is it this version or is it the 96 version? The one where he's like, let rock, rock. Like a, I, I've heard a different <laughs> version. You know what I'm talking about, though. I've heard a different live version. It's the one they use for the video from Asylum? No, which what's that? Kiss, Kiss Exposed. Exposed, right? Yes, Kiss Exposed. That's an old... That's a newer Kiss version. Exposed that's not this one. Was my, yeah. was my rebirth of Kiss in a way. Right. Uh, I had my young kid makeup Kiss... Then, as young metalhead, Kiss Exposed found its way into the house, and I watched it eight trillion times. Me too. Yeah. Me too. So, I, so that was my my Kiss kind of second knock too. It was kind of well, that was like the first uh, commercial accessibility to video of their yes. makeup stuff. Yes, it right. had the yeah. old shit and it had mm -hmm. the current shit. It was awesome. Right. That it was my summer. It had right it now. had um, <laughs> it had Paul Stanley going caroling. It was, it was great. <laughs> Didn't it have that moment where the Ace Frehley puppet, when yeah, when, yeah, they made when that Paul thing. Paul grabs the puppet's foot and he's like, "This puppet remark. says I'm alive, I'm well. Where am I?" Yeah, he's like, "Screw you, yeah, Paul." Every time I saw that, I was like, moments. "You know what, man? Yeah. Fuck you." <laughs> home videos is where you learn quite a bit. He's about on a bands. comic. Molly Crew's home videos. Oh, oh the Molly, the Molly Crew one is is unbelievable. Great Danzig's, of course. Two home videos were amazing. So much Twisted Sister. The, the live uh, the live Twisted Sisters Stay Hungry oh yeah great yeah, that one, uh, the lost great. art of home videos for bands they used to rent the, the Striper <laughs> ah, see I didn't even <laughs> saw the Striper the Striper one was surprisingly good Ooh. I wasn't even a huge Striper fan but it was like whatever your, your local 
rental place had mm. was like just yeah. rock right. oriented. I was like, I guess I'll get go check Stripe. it out. Stripe kicks ass. And if the, those listening aren't aware, the the hard and heavies were the best hard and heavy. Oh, I remember those. Oh yeah, yeah. We, had, we had a couple of those in my house. Fresh metal special, and then there was like. Oh man, I remember that. We had I still one. have a box of VHS tapes in my closet. Like I have to look through. Oh, it. I said, I have so my bedroom. Amazing boxes. So funny, so funny. Just exposed me so much. But anyway, yeah, those those are my picks. Okay. All right. So I, maybe I'll go next. We'll yeah, go round table. Ron, um, I'm gonna say the song that I mean, it's ob- like Mike said, it's obvious. It's rock and roll night, but I'm not gonna go with that mm-hmm. because it's just too it's too black and white. Speaking of black and white, I'm going to say it's Black Diamond. Mm. Black Diamond is a ripper on this album. Yeah. It, and it's the closer, and it's a monster, and it's just so loud, and it's so heavy, and it's really great. But also to mirror what Mike said, Deuce and Strutter, man. Deuce, that opening track of mm. Deuce yep. really, like, it. it's like... it. It's like Kiss put out the first three albums, and they were just like, okay, here's what we can do. But then they put this out, and it's like, here's what we can do. Right. You know? And when and when they open with Deuce, and when you see Deuce live with the choreography, you know, <laughs> and the, you know, like da na 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 na, rocking back and forth, it's just it it, it chills, you know. Mm. When I saw the reunion tour uh, in '96, yeah, yeah. man, and they opened with Deuce and they did that move, like that was it, man. Chills from head yeah. to toe, Same and here. I was and I was sold, you know, and I, and I that's why I went back and saw it again and again, mm. and it I was, was there just the entire week too. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. It was mm. so I'm gonna, I'm my my. I'm going to say Black Diamond is the go-to. I mean, we all know Peter benefited the most from the 100,000 years. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say Black Diamond is my pick. But I'm also going to throw in Deuce and Strutter as backups. Because oh. Deuce is just... I mean, Deuce live is oh. not like it. Not like it. All right. Joe? Um, to jump off a little bit of what uh, Ron and Mike said, I kind of agree uh, with... Uh, Deuce and Strutter, I think those core, those core like songs off the first album are the ones that kind of mm-hmm. get the most benefit. But ultimately, I think Cold Gin, like if if I'm gonna look at those three as like a little trifecta, mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> I think that one is improved the most because mm. I, I think that one especially sounds a little chintzy on the original record, and it just. I don't know. It just becomes a little, just that much more of a powerhouse yeah. tune on Alive. Um, you know, I mean, you could say this about any song on this record. Uh, it just, it's improved energy-wise, but I just think that one, especially for me, it just improves. A yeah, lot. I'm gonna agree about that energy again. It's I will. the studio versions well. are that slower vert that. <laughs> you know yeah. whereas the live it's it's a big yeah, difference it's, loud, it's a big difference it's the energy difference is tremendous and so you yeah. got the whole pole yeah. intro with the tequila we like the vodka alcohol we like the vodka dog juice everything is Everything's augmented by Paul Stanley's amazing uh, uh, banter. banter. Yeah, yeah. Yes, totally. <laughs> All the time, every time. The stuff of legend. He did that this time too. When I just saw them at the at the end of the road, whatever. He did the whole "Who likes tequila?" Like with his crackly oh voice. Who likes tequila? Oh, no. You need some Robitussin. Who likes Robitussin? <laughs> you. You should have some. <laughs> Who likes throat spray? Yeah, but with the with the Peter doing the with the tequila, you know, like he was yeah, doing like. Oh yeah. I mean, it's so cool. The, 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 
the whole Kiss live experience back then, like anything from the reunion tour back, unbelievable. Mm. Like even the 80s with the makeup, with the Paul telling the story, with the 501 jeans. And I mean, like the, Paul Stanley's <laughs> stage banter is just outstanding. Mm. This album probably lacks a lot of that. They probably cut a lot of it yeah, out of the music, but it's definitely, it's definitely present in Cold Gin, like uh, Joe mentions. And it's, and, it's, and it's great, man. It's rock and roll. It's what it's all about. Mm. Love it. All right. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I think the the song that benefited the most from the, the live atmosphere, because it kind of, I don't want to say it's, it's too plotting, but if we're talking about production, I think Parasite benefited nice. the most. Good choice. From, I mean, you think, just think about the intro. Just when that, when that neck, that riff really right. kicks in when the drums kick in. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it just revs right in. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I, either on cassette or on vinyl when I was when I was a kid I would rewind that shit back right over and over again and right and just, play, just listen to that just cool play that over right. and over again and until I finally will want to listen to the to the rest of the song it's so, like a car finally starting right you know, it's right. like a chug 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 yeah. when it gets going you're like oh yeah that's and you know if I had some backups I, I would definitely say um, 100,000 years I think it I think it does benefit actually from the extended oh drum sure solo. yeah of course um, the drum solos kick ass and that's yeah I really, I really think it does. On, Peter on Chris had it back then, boy. He, he, he was a hot drummer, man. A lot of people put him down. Like, I mean, now he's eighty years old, or whatever, and probably can't even lift his arms. But I mean, it's a shame. <laughs> he had, he had cancer too. Like, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, he's been through a lot. Yeah, he's been through a lot of stuff, and he's got those. Like, you see pictures of him now. His arms are like little frail old man arms. He's an old man. Yeah. But man, back then he was a machine. Yeah, he it's was like, a machine. It's like I, I've said to you guys just in the messages, you know. 75 to 77 you couldn't even you couldn't touch Peter Chris you could not you know during that period he was gonna quit (laughs) (laughs) I'm quitting (laughs) screw you guys I'm going home (laughs) say it in the voice that they had to give him for the Phantom of the Park special (laughs) Mike Mike Bell what are you doing what are you doing Stallone I think I prefer those voices (laughs) to their real voices no which is the ordinary kidding. human beings. <laughs> Star child. No. His ace had and his fake ace, right? Is the fake ace voice? Or fake ace? No, that's yeah. really ace. No, that's oh, really that's ace. Really ace. Oh, okay. Yeah, Peter really was the only one who was, oh, was, was overdubbed. Yeah. But there is something interesting. If you find the trailer for Kiss Me's the Phantom of the Park, Peter Chris's voice is in is the in trailer. Oh, wow, look at oh, that. That's fine. Yeah. Why the overdub too quiet or just couldn't understand them? Or? I think yeah, most most say it was unintelligible at times. <laughs> I think they all had to redo their parts and those. And yeah. Peter just refused he, to go. And back. He didn't probably, yeah, he yeah. Didn't, he didn't show up. Right. Apparently, yeah. that was the line that they were saying. You know, Peter didn't show up. Yeah, Bobby show, Brown show. He didn't show up to do looping. <laughs> I don't know if we brought this up prior to us recording, but um, Peter, <clears throat> he's the only one who wasn't re-recorded for this record. Yeah, mm. I mean, depending on what they story you drums. hear, yeah, yeah. He, he is the groundwork. He is the complete base yep. for mm-hmm. everything you're hearing. Mm-hmm. And they said, for the most part, I think he's a hundred percent the only thing that's like captured live. Yeah, and imagine, you know, that's a testament to him as a drummer. Yeah, he sounds great on the album. His timing is great. Yeah, I don't hear him. You know, I don't hear him losing time, speeding He's, up, slowing down. He sounds great. He started speeding up a lot in like six seventy six, seventy seven. I mean, if you watch those concerts, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where you really start to notice it. But yeah, seventy four, seventy five, he was he was still maintaining a lot. Yeah, 
But to think how far how far he fell, but at this point he's like almost the anchor. Yeah. Because those guys, you know, whatever. Of, of course, they're walking around in seven inch heels, and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of other, you know, stuff they're dealing with. But he he was the rock. No, you're right. It's basically like they produced, like the like if the drums were live, they produced a record around the drums, which is amazing. Right. Well, if you guys have heard the. Uh King Biscuit alive at all? No. All right, a lot of that is interesting to listen to because you can you can hear some of the original tracks still kind of oh, really? not fully tucked away. You oh, hear wow. some of the flaws. And Let Me Know is included on that, which oh, wow. didn't end up on the record. So that that's something that, that you guys should check oh, out. Let's check that out. But yeah, you can hear little instances where you go, oh, wow, it doesn't sound like that on a live. Because right. you can actually hear some of the stuff from the original recordings still creeping in the background. Oh, that's so cool. That's definitely something to, uh, to check out if anyone hasn't yet. So, we talked about which track benefited the most. How about the track that benefited the least? Well, honestly, look, the whole record is great, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way, one could argue they all benefited. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, just for my own personal taste, I like the She Studio version better than this She Live version. Okay. Personally. Like a little creepier... Yes. Yeah. I think the... It, it like, I don't know. It's kind of like a dark song, right? Mm-hmm. And the studio version captures that kind of like dark moodiness better than this live version for me. Um, maybe so. it's the overdubs. I mean, I don't know what it is. But I feel like uh, live... I don't know. It's not like a live great banger song. To me, it's like one of those better studio songs. So that's my one example. Okay. For me. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at this list. I can't find one. Yeah. Truthfully. I mean, in a way, there's right. Really it's like, not, there's really not a song. There's not a song that doesn't benefit live or just doesn't stay as good as the old one. Like, there's no song that's getting worse here. Okay. They're either staying the same or they're getting better. Hmm. Like, like, take Let Me Rock. To let me go rock and roll for instance the live version of that is fucking killer yeah I love and if that you watch version. it the video of them at Kobo doing that yeah holy ridiculous. shit Ace Frehley cannot cannot stop the man is a machine and it, and he was flawless that's flawless. a great version I know which one you're talking about you know about. exactly which one I'm one. talking yeah. about He's, he can't stop moving and he can't stop rocking and he doesn't miss a note, and it's and it's fantastic. It's, I mean, that version's probably better than the one that's on Alive. Yeah, it, it probably is. And this version is pretty fucking kick-ass. Right? Yeah, and this version is kick-ass too. They're very close. I mean, I don't know what what I what I pick as as a song that that. I mean, can I nitpick and say maybe the drum solo was a bit long? Oh yeah, you know? sure. Okay, yeah, then that's, that's what I'm gonna say. All the right. drum solo was a tiny yeah, bit long yeah. in a hundred thousand years. Uh, you know, there was some quiet parts I could have done without. But that's it. But uh, but overall, this album to me is like on a list of you know from zero to ten. This is a ten. This uh, live will always be a ten. Oh, to me. I I fully agree with that. Yep. that's for sure. Joe, you have you have one? No, really. I don't want to make up an answer just to make it. Up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I actually do have one, and I'll explain why. Wow. I think the one that benefited the least is Rock Bottom, hmm. because of that intro. Because of the intro, it's like I just think. <laughs> it's not not so much that it's sloppy. I just I like the acoustic guitar element a lot more from the the studio version. Oh. I think I I just think it, it sounds a lot better. There's a lot of atmosphere going on in the background. If you really listen to that studio version, there's like 
don't know what it is. I don't know if there was anything else used in that in that intro. Okay. But it sounds like there's like some sort of um. Is that like a twelve string? I think it, I don't know if it. No, I don't know if it's a twelve string. It sounds like it almost sounds like it to me. It, it's a blend of. It's definitely a blend of acoustic guitar. So there may be a twelve string, six string. Maybe. But it almost sounds like there's like some kind of like a humming also in the background, or some kind of like a synth. Right. You know what mm. I'm talking about? Yeah, kind of. That's 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 what I point to immediately when I when I look at it. I mean, yeah, the album's a ten, but if I had to pick one, that's like, well, I think that the studio version is better. I would say rock bottom. Yeah, you're not even saying the song itself. You're just saying no, the intro. Just, you're just, just saying the intro. Mostly just yeah, mostly yeah. just because that, of that intro, intro never had a name, correct? It's just part of the song. It's it is part, of the, part of the song. Yeah. And every live performance, they had the acoustic thing. Yeah, yeah. Live performance. If yeah. you take that that intro out, the song is like a minute and twenty seconds. Yeah, that's why they put <laughs> it in there, really. Yeah, exactly. The, when they did it, in we're talking dress to kill here. When they know? did it in '96, they butchered it, like every time. Uh, when I saw them at the garden, it was it was a little like, ooh. Like I don't was, remember. I don't remember. There was, was a lot of, that there was a few moments that it was like, oh, yeah, that kind of hurts. <laughs> it's a beautiful. But it was, but it's great. Oh, yeah, it's it it, it, it They cut it out of the set list, you know, like mm. halfway through the tour. Mm. On, oh, well, on the I, alive, oh, wow. on the so alive worldwide. I do remember us seeing it though, because yeah, we saw. No, we definitely saw. Yeah, the disco ball effect. Yeah, they they, we they took it off the tour. The I think a few dates after we saw them, because wow. it was just too. They couldn't get it right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We we were the lucky ones. We were the lucky ones. <laughs> Interesting. All right, so we'll uh, go again once again talking about the production. I think we we've covered a, a bunch of it. You know, just yeah. just in talking about the uh, the fact that we know. The, the drums were the, the most live element, but, mm-hmm. yeah, just as a whole. I'm sure there was a lot of live music on it. There was just a lot of touch-ups. I mean, that listen, every live album probably has a million touch-ups on it. Yeah, ask Ozzy. So, and, and the Scorpions, man. That worldwide live album. They basically played their studio albums with a crowd in the background. I was going to say. <laughs> That's how good they sound. They sound unbelievable. And the video, the, I, that was another video I used to watch constantly, that Worldwide Live, Scorpions Worldwide Live. And like they'd show them on stage, like they'd show the live bit for a second, and they'd show like Klaus Meiner, like looking at the camera, like this was really happening. No, it, it was all put on. It's like a big put on, you know? I don't think this album is that much of a put on. I think that a lot of it is definitely studio recorded, but it's not as... I don't think it goes as deep as we all think it does. Aside from touching up music, the best is when bands add crowd. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Add a crowd reaction. Let I don't know if that's up. been done. Yeah, right. But uh, well, with this, with this, I know the Eddie Eddie Kramer put together like an endless loop of tape that he that he spliced together of just crowd noise from from mm. the various. Well, yeah, shows. that's fine. That's... And that's that's what plays yeah. throughout the entire thing. That's why at that time, if you listen to the, the beginning of Rock Bottom, you can hear where the tape kind of restarts. You can hear the restart, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a little bootleg, but you know, it got the job done. And you got to do what you got to do. You weren't paying attention to this to that shit when you were, you know. And they really wanted young. to try and capture the music. I mean, crowd yeah. can be added. You know, you you could play a live album in an empty room. What good is it? You know. Mm. Or record a live album. All right. Well, what songs are you gonna play? That's a good. That's a good question. Play all four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll uh, we'll come up with a good uh, collective list. Yes. Um, of, of songs. Yeah. Well, play, play the song that benefited the least. <laughs> Rock bottom. <laughs> Rock bottom. <laughs> we'll play the studio version. The title fits the. <laughs> the title if it's a title <laughs> they hit rock bottom on this song but <laughs> you wanted the best 
question for all you. I want to know how many people here that can take a taste of alcohol. I know, you know, it's getting so hot outside and you always need something to cool y'all. There's gotta be some people out there that like to drink tequila. All right. I was talking to somebody backstage before and they were telling me there's a lot of you people there that like to drink vodka and orange juice.
Kiss is a band that's definitely worthy of uh, of kind of breaking it down section by section. Oh, and I think definitely. you 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 were right by doing first three and alive because uh, it makes the most sense, and it's a part of like one cycle of the band right there. Those four releases. So. Right. Yeah. It's kind of I think they're second to the Beatles as far as scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Oh I think yeah. The, I think yeah. the Kiss is, is definitely like there's more Beatles books than this Kiss books for mm-hmm. sure, and there's more talk about the Beatles than there is about Kiss for sure. sure. And the Beatles definitely went through like this. They went through different phases, just like Kiss. Their 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 careers are kind of mirrored in a way. But they were around yeah. for five minutes in the scope of things. The Beatles, if you yeah, the Beatles were seven years, right? I think or nine years. I think no, like, not nine, not, not even, even nine, nine, right? No, Sixty-four no. to seventy. Sixty-three. Yeah. The last album came out in sixty-three. Sixty-three, and I think the last album came out seventy. Yeah, they were done in seventy. Yeah, so seven years, man. Imagine what they time. did in seven years. Kiss has been around forty. Fucking years, seven <laughs> times more than yeah, the, you know, obvious, yeah. six times more than the Beatles, you know. And they, and as far as like the internets, you know, and blogs and things like that, Kiss is definitely one of the most oh, top question. top three scrutinized bands of all time. This is so many Kiss podcasts. original Misfits were only together six years, and look what they did. Right, that's true. I mean, technically, they, they not a lot of full length albums, but a lot of music. Yes, yes, and a big impact. It's right, the impact. They right, made a right. It's impact. about impact. Yeah. And I mean, and again, we're going to talk about Impact Beatles, right? And then Kiss. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Kiss, Kiss spawned that whole '80s metal. They Everything. did. They and and they spawned a lot of musicians. I mean, you know, look at Dimebag Daryl. I mean, Pearl Jam. It, it, yeah. So many people say Ace Freely, Ace Freely, Ace Freely, Ace Freely. Right below him, or right alongside him, is Ivan Halen. But sure. those two in particular. That's who everyone yeah. wanted to be. Those right. two people. Everybody right. who picked up the guitar. Those That's two true. People. That's true, you're right. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. I'd put Van Halen as the third probably most scrutinized band of our life. Yeah. Because they're they're another band that has been through so many changes. Yeah. Oh. There aren't too many bands that have been through that many changes. Like U two. Think of U two. U two hasn't been through any they have not had a member change. That's right. U two. Right? The police lasted whatever they lasted, they never had a member change. You know? KISS had so many member changes. I think the police were under ten years. Yeah, they were under, like you know they they about but the impact seven to eighty three eighty three yeah four yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. seventy years. I mean that's not that long. And it's great body of work. Yeah, it is great body of work. No bad albums. No, no they didn't can't say that for Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's a 40, <laughs> as, we, as we get deeper into the a forty yeah, year gonna... nonstop career, of course there's clunkers. Absolutely. Um. But it's weird though. Kiss is one of those bands where the initial clunkers have now become. I love that record. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Elder. Yeah. And well, Elder in particular is the that's, that's clunker the that became clunker. the cult hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, unmasked. You know, unmasked. unmasked is no. It's below Elder. I think some people really seem to dislike Unmasked. Yeah, I'm not um, a big. I'm not a big. Unmasked. But, pe- but some people I have tend, reevaluated. It, I tend it's to see a lot of people really loving Unmasked. Mm. Weird. Things, yeah. <laughs> Those are weirdos. Do you, okay. think there are, <laughs> do you think there are new generations, kids or whatever, like going back and re- discovering Kiss? Like th- I think so. I think <clears throat> I have certain people I know that accuse Kiss of, uh, like you had to grow up with them to get it, to get it, and mm. to be obsessed with them. And, and they're like, oh, buy that. Well, you guys that tell me if you went to the recent shows. Is I that did. true or false? I was false. I, mm. I, I, don't I don't know if it's that. false. I don't know if it's false. But there are kids. There were a lot of kids. A lot of kids getting show. into. Kids. But they look at Tommy Thayer, and they will watch a video of Ace Frehley and not know the difference. 
Because they're kids right. and they don't get it. But yeah, they're kids. They need their parents to say, hey, this is Ace Frehley. This guy. I think the majority are, you know. I don't if, know. You don't think I so? Don't if they're, if they're, if they're like fans like us, like Man, a long I, time. I'm with you on this, but I am. I'm in groups, a lot of Kiss groups on Facebook, and there are so many people that just love Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer because they're not a drug addicts and right. they haven't ruined the no, legacy of Kiss with their drug use. No, I've, and I've all seen this that. shit, it's like I've what the fuck? That. They were rock stars, dude. It reminds me of you know? people who. If, if you say a very coarse thing about the current members of Danzig, right? Um, Tommy Victor or uh, Steve Zing, guitarist and bassist, some Danzig fans will fucking kill you. On what? Facebook. Why? What's the fucking They'll point? They'll fucking kill you. Why are you being so angry? Yeah. Like, it's I weird. get it. I get yeah. it. I get the people like You're not Tommy supporting Perry. the band now! I, I leave those message boards quick. Yeah. I mean, I it's weird. It's weird. I mean, but it's like, oh. Um, but I can't enjoy the first four albums more, and it's like, calm down, dude. You know, I mean, whatever. There's but one, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, it's totally like that. There's one great Kiss group I'm in called Kiss and Hard Rock or something like that. This guy Bill Wang runs it. Funny as hell. Like he has Kiss fans from all around, and he lets us all banter and go crazy. Some people like we call it Scab Kiss, like the Kiss that's now <laughs> yeah. with Tommy and Eric. In a way, Scab sure. Kiss. It is because listen, I was at the recent show, Eric. Eric Singer does not have to cut his hair and dye it black and play Peter style. Mm. I agree with that. And sit at a piano and fake play a piano and sing Beth. Who the fuck told Eric Singer he was a singer? Mm. No one. Kiss, <laughs> the original Kiss was four dudes like the Beatles. Mm. Each one had his own personality. Each one had his own voice. Each one had his own talent. And they could all sing, even though Ace didn't sing until Love Gun. But, right. I mean... They all sang their own parts, and they all wrote music, great music. Mm. Tommy Thayer has done nothing for Kiss. Eric mm -hmm. Singer was is a great drummer. He's a great drummer. But I mean, why does he have to? Why do they? Have, why are they making him ape Peter Chris? Give his like, own character. I don't understand right. it either. Right? Because yeah. Eric Carr was his own character. Eric why Carr, isn't Vinnie Vincent was the yeah, own character? This has been so long debated because yeah, they they should have discussed the idea of new personalities. Right. Because they did it in the 80s. They, but but they, they've adjusted a million times. They feel that the original yeah. face... Oh, no, exactly. they know. Yeah, they it's know. Like yeah. A, and that's what they market. Oh, and, right. and, and the, other, all the, merch. the other side yeah. note is that uh, Ace and Peter sold their, sold their you know... Their rights. Their rights, rights design, to, right. to those physical it, things. There's so. a rumor that, that Ace doesn't help didn't. either. No. There's a rumor that Ace didn't. But there's be? a rumor going around that Ace did not sell his face and he's licensing it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that could too. be true. Wow. So he's getting paid every, like... Well, how did he get to use well, it just in the Dunkin' Donuts commercial? amount of money per year. Yeah. Right. 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 Or on the new Spaceman record, whatever it is, he's got the mask with the, with the Ace mm -hmm. face on. Why is he right. not getting sued? Interesting. So it is probably licensed. It You're could right. be that he's licensing it. He probably just gets like, you know, whatever, $50,000 a year or something mm -hmm. to use it. You know, it's probably written in some contract. I mean, I'm not going to go guessing. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it just, it's, it's like you said, the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. How does he get to do that mm -hmm. without Gene Simmons jumping down his throat? Maybe Gene's getting a cut. Who knows? Well, this could be debated forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As KISS fans know. Yeah. And we don't want to... We don't want to bore anybody to death. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we want to... We don't we want to retread whatever mm. everybody's saying. We definitely want to save what we're... What we can potentially discuss right now for yeah. our future roundtables. Right. And right. we do have some future roundtables planned. Don't know exactly when, but... Awesome. We're not going to rush through this, so um, let's just say 
I'll just say right here to you guys, this was a, a great first round table. Yeah, I'm really thanks, for, the thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks no for the I'm really Love glad it. you guys came down, yeah. and uh, I, I look forward to the next one. And next one, we're gonna go with the next three originals: Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun. The meat, and the then, meat and the sandwich, right? Yeah. And then talk talk about a live too. Yeah, so, that sounds awesome. Made them the biggest band in the world. Those four records at the time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So until then. All right. We will see you then. Later, Take world. it easy. Peace out. That was good. That was good, Carly. That was fun. And that is the end of our first roundtable discussion on KISS. And I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did listening back to that conversation while I was editing it. Uh, I had a, a few laughs again. And, uh, you know, as, as you could tell, we, we could have gone on for a long time if we really wanted to. But we hope that uh, we've given you something to look forward to in future KISS Roundtable discussions. And I'd like to thank Joe, Ron, and Mike once again for joining me here on the I Am Vinyl podcast for the first KISS Roundtable. And I really look forward to the next one. Lastly, I just want to say the album Dress to Kill tends to get knocked for sounding a little too thin. But if you really listen back to those vinyl transfers it really comes across as the strongest sounding record in terms of the production. So that's just something I wanted to point out before I sign off here on the I Am Vinyl podcast. And speaking of which, once again, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in here at cnjradio.com and via Apple Podcasts. And please also check out our other shows, The Wrestling House Show, Rock Strikes 10, The Synaptic Empire, Talking Rock, and The Last Theater. And so, thank you once again for tuning in here at the I Am Vinyl Podcast, here at cnjradio.com.